0: I'm gonna ask Pastor Tice if he'd come to the platform at this time. Pastor Tice has been the senior pastor at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada for 41 years now. We're so thankful for this man. We're thankful for his stand once again for the word of God. He does love young people and he is on our side. And I'm so thankful once again that he is able to be here with us today. Let's all stand and welcome Pastor Tice to the chapel service. Thank you. Just keep it up. I I really, I just, I love to be loved. So just go ahead. Go ahead, you can sit down. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs. I'm amazed by our God. I love that song. I, I, I love the fact that to know that God loves me, he not just loves me, he likes me. There are people who have to say, you know, I love you, brother. That means here's a squirt of Jesus, but (laughs) reality is you just make me sick, you know, type thing. Uh, The God likes me. What's your name? Isaiah? God likes you. You're in the Bible. God God likes you. I met a guy today named Israel. Israel! Israel! I said, where are you from? He said, Mexico City. (laughs) He said it in English, though, so uh, I understood. God likes you. That's an amazing thing. My life verse is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you, but I like things. There are things that I want. There are things that I want. When, my, when I was 10 years old, it was, it was 1965. My sister was married, had a 1964 Mustang. Yes! It's a really cool car. And my sister was cool just because she had the Mustang. I was just 10 years old. She had this Mustang. She would come over and pick me up and drive me around in her Mustang. And I looked cool. At 10 years old, I looked good in a Mustang. And I always thought it'd be nice to have a Mustang. And I never begged for a Mustang or asked God for a Mustang. But I thought it'd be cool to have a Mustang. Really be nice. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. My dad died when I was 10 years old, so we were, my mom lost everything. We moved into a trailer park in North Las Vegas, which is not the, like, a high rent district in North Las Vegas. We didn't have much of anything, so me getting a Mustang wasn't really on the radar. I um, decided, though, when I was 16 years old, I was going to seek first the kingdom, and I was going to do what God wanted me to do. And I was going to live for God. And I was going to be what God wanted me to be. I was a kid who lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I thought it was the most boring place in America. Can you say amen to that? It's a terrible place. Nothing to do. I didn't know. In fact, I was the kid that grew up. I grew up in, in, I grew up in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I used to watch westerns. And I told mom, when I get older, I'm going to move out west. Then I found out I was there. I'm a Westerner. Right? That was so cool to find that out. I got me a cowboy hat. There were certain things I wanted to do. I, I always wanted to travel because you don't get to travel. I always wanted to go places and do things. There was things I wanted to do. I, I mean, I, I never went any place. It was Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is like a desert. You probably aren't familiar with what that's like, but uh, it's just a big desert and. And when you're a kid, really, and back then, there really wasn't a whole lot to do. We only had three TV stations. It was terrible. No such thing as a remote, and it was black and white. <laughs> so I thought, man, I'd like to travel. I'd like to do some things. I always wanted to jump out of a parachute. Not a, out of a parachute, out of a plane with a parachute <laughs> on. I always thought that would be a cool thing to do. I always wanted to go skydiving. My wife said, please don't ever do that. After we got married, she found out the things I wanted to do. I always wanted to go snorkeling or scuba diving because there was a TV show on when I was a kid. Are we allowed to talk about TV? Okay, there was a TV show (laughs) called Sea Hunt, and there was a guy that used to go down underneath the water, and, and I thought that's so cool to see, like, fish floating around. I thought, man, I'd like to do that. But I got to tell you, when I was 10 years old and my my sister was driving her cool Mustang and my dad died, that was far, 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 far from me. Somebody taught me, Matthew 6 33, said, You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Can I tell you this? In 2002, and this isn't my message, but I want you to understand this God likes you. God loves you and God wants you to prosper. He really, really does. And he wants to do things for you. He wants to do cool things for you. In in 2002, I was preaching. There was a guy who, uh, who had just got a Mazda Miata. Yeah, you can say hallelujah to that. That's all right. It was a little. Some of you don't even know what a Mazda Miata is—a little sports car, two-seater sports car. So he drives from Flagstaff, Arizona, to show it to me to rub it in my face. I guess. Uh, and he said, "Would you like to drive?" Uh, "Would you like to drive my Mazda Miata?" I got out and I drove it around. I thought this was cool. The next morning, I'm preaching in church, and I said this. I said, um, "This is 2002." I said. I said, you know, I was just using this as an illustration, I said, my wife loves children and she likes to be surrounded by children and she thinks that when we get to be grandparents, we're going to get this like 15 passenger van and cram our grandchildren in the 15 passenger van. I have 18 grandchildren and I do not own a 15 passenger van. Uh, That's what she would like to do. And she said, And I said, but that's not what's going to go on. And I had just driven a Mazda Miata the day before. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a Mazda Miata. It's a two-seater. That way I can put my arm around her. She can't get away from me. And there will be no kids anywhere. That's what I said. I was was preaching, okay? just having fun. Um, That Monday, that Tuesday actually... Because I take Monday off with my family, that Tuesday, uh, one of the men of our church called up and said, Is it a sin for a preacher to build, to, to drive a sports car? And he talked to my son, Matt, who's my associate pastor. And Matt said, No, it's not a sin for a preacher to drive a sports car. And he said, Then I'm buying your dad a Mazda Miata. And my son said something real dumb Oh, he really wouldn't want a Mazda Miata actually he was right he was right he said well and the guy said does, does he like cars he said yeah he said well i saw him looking at mustangs out in the parking lot the other day would he like a would he like a mustang he said yeah he said i'm buying him a brand new mustang he said what color would he like he said red he said probably a hard top no he wants a convertible <laughs> he said probably an automatic no he would like five speed on the floor He said, well, I'm going to, don't tell your dad I'm going to buy him a car. A few weeks later, my, I, I come into my, to my um, office. And um, my son, I, 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 I was coming in late. I got in at 11 o'clock because I was taking my daughter down to get her driver's permit. Faith was getting her driver's permit. I have three daughters, Faith, Hope, and Charity. That way I always have the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, <laughs> so I took... Uh, Faith down to get her driver's permit, and uh, I came in late to the office, and when I walked in, Matt said, we have, we have a, uh, an appointment at 3 o'clock. I said, I can't go to an appointment at 3 o'clock, I just got in, there. it's 11 o'clock, I can't. He said, oh, Dad, you won't want to miss this appointment. I said, where are we going? He said, come here. So we got in the car, we drove down to the Ford dealership, and I walked in to the Ford dealership, and when I walked in, they gave, uh, they, they gave me the keys, they said, uh, Mr. Tice, they did not call me Dr. Tice. And they didn't refer to me as pastor. So I said, I'm leaving. Uh, <laughs> no, they said, Mr. Tice, uh, this is the keys to your brand new Mustang. My, my, my brand new Mustang? My sister's Mustang was not a convertible. I, I got in that car and I thought, isn't this good? And you know what verse came to my mind? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God likes me. Can I tell you this? You may look at me and think, that guy's just almost perfect. I'm not. (laughs) I've messed up so many things. I've done so many things wrong. I called a friend of mine who loves Mustangs, he's a well-known evangelist. I said, someone just bought me a brand-new Mustang, he said, they bought you a Mustang? I said, yeah. He said, there is no God. <laughs> See, because God would have given it to him. He gave me the Mustang. I, I, I want you to know this. I, I'm just telling you this. My brother is 66 years old. My brother got involved in every type of wicked, vile sin you can imagine. My my, uh, my dad was married and divorced about four times before he married my mother. My mother was married and divorced. All my brothers and sisters are married and divorced. I've been married to the same woman for 41 years. Can you say amen to that? You don't have to have sin continue in your life. I, um, my brother has a shriveled up body. He lays in a room in las vegas doesn't come out to see anything it's a smoke-filled room because he's still smoking his 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 liver is all shriveled up from drinking alcohol for so long he's done drugs he's done he worked in a pornographic movie house was involved in pornography he's involved in everything he's been married four or five times and the woman he's living with now uh, is not his sounds like the woman in john three four I have been all over the world. I sat down in a hallway yesterday and was looking at a map and I thought, man, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. A kid who doesn't didn't have anything. If uh, I was, anybody was voted most likely not to succeed, I would qualify. I didn't have anything. My brother sought his flesh and lived for his flesh and he has absolutely nothing and has had a miserable, miserable life. My, um, uh, I have had, I've been every, I just, everywhere I've ever wanted to be. I, and I have opportunities to go anywhere I ever want to go. I have to say, no, no, can't, no, I, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, I want to do that, but I don't have time to do that. I can't do that. I've been to Fiji, I've been this year. I went up to Winnipeg, Ontario. You know, I thought it would be cool to walk through a, an ice house one time. I watched Frozen. And uh, <laughs> listen to this. I'm up in Winnipeg, Ontario. It's like February and there's a blizzard going on. And the preacher says, hey, can I show you something? And he takes me, a guy that I met here, a guy named Jerome Pittman. He's pastoring up there now, like the second or third largest church in Canada. So he said, he said, he said, I want to take you someplace. He took me down to this place. There's an ice castle down there. I said, an ice castle? How cool. I want to, to go through. And my wife said, "My wife said, oh, you're not going to make them pay? I said, if they want to. And uh, I said, I want to go in that ice castle. They said, OK. And they bought me a ticket to go in. My wife said, oh, I don't want to really want to go in. They didn't want to really go in. So I walk in. When I walked in, no kidding. When I walked in, I did not know that in Winnipeg that week, but that week, uh, Disney's Ice Capades was there, right? Featuring Frozen, okay? So, no kidding. I walk in. I walk into this ice castle. As I'm walking into this ice castle, it's so, so cool. I'm thinking, this is just amazing. Because I like, I like fun things. You know who comes walking out of the ice castle? Elsa and Anna! <laughs> I said, I know you. <laughs> I said, let me get my phone out. We got a picture. My grandkids are going to love this. I met Elsa and Anna in an ice castle. <laughs> I was in Frozen. <laughs> went, down to, uh, went down to preach in a conference. Somebody invited me to preach in Acapulco. I said, let me think about it. Okay. Went down to preach at a conference in, uh, in, in, in uh, Acapulco. I thought, if I'm going to go to Acapulco, I'm at least going to put my toe in Acapulco Bay. But they had meeting after meeting after meeting. I was the speaker, right? And then afterwards, I thought, okay, there was a five hour break. I'm five hour break, and I'm going to take five hours and I'm going to go out to Acapulco Bay. And so I'm going to go out to Acapulco Bay. And as I go out to Acapulco Bay, as I'm heading out, the director of the mission said, Brother Tice, would you be willing to sit in on our executive board meeting? (laughs) After all, you know, when they do that, after all, we brought you down here, we paid your way, we did all this for you, and look at what we've done. Would you be willing to? Of course not. I'm going out to Acapulco Bay. You can't do that. I said, yes. I said, how long will it be? Uh, she, uh, he said, he said It'll, oh, just a few minutes. <laughs> Mission directors lie. <laughs> he said, just oh, a few minutes. I said, okay. Uh, so I said, wait, I, I, I want to make a long story short, okay? He's, uh, it, I wound up sitting in there. I only had two hours. I said, I don't care. I'm going down to Acapulco Bay. My wife said, You're, not, you're not, by the time you get up to the top place where they got you and then come back down, you only have like an hour and a half. I said, I don't care. I'm not coming to Acapulco and not put my foot in Acapulco Bay. And I mean, you look out the window, there's a big dolphin swimming pool uh, down there and there's all sorts of stuff. And, so I th- I, and then you walk past that and you go out through a gate and you, there's the bay, it's right there. So I, I, said, and I went out there and I, I, saw, it's, I looked out the window and I saw people parasailing and I thought, well, that would be great. So I walk out there, when I walk out there, a, a college group, that, a singing group, came up to me and said, hey, Dr. Tice, Dr. Tice, hey, would you like to go parasailing? I said, would I like to go parasailing? Yeah, I would love to, but man, I only, I mean, look at the line over there, and I, I mean, I can't do the line, uh, and I don't, I don't have any cash with me. They said, that's okay. We bought you a ticket, and we can put you at the front of the line." I said you can. They said yeah. Only thing is you have to, uh, you have to allow us to videotape you. <laughs> I don't know if they wanted to videotape my death or what. And so uh, I said sure. So they they hooked. They, I, I said they, I said really. They took me up to the front line and they they said something in Spanish to the guy and I they said yeah. I said uh, they, he said you want to fly. He said something to me. I said see, and. Uh, <laughs> And so uh, they, they put the thing on, they, 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 uh, they strapped me in, and then I realized, this is really going to happen. Now, I've watched people parasail before, and, and, and they do that, you start off on the back of the boat, they said, that's not what happens here. Now, they're not talking to me, they're just doing this kind of thing and saying words that I don't understand, but I'm figuring out what's happening. There's a roll of, uh, of there's a cord, ski rope here, and it's all round, wound up, and they and I'm on one side of that, and the boat's on the other side, but the boat's way out there in the water. I'm way back on the beach. They said this is what you. They, this, this is what I figured out. They said, "You, what you're going to do is that rope's going to start un, un, unwrapping, that and then when that comes, when it gets taunt, you run and you run towards the beach, and when you get to the beach, by the time you get to the beach, you should hope that you're up in the air by then." Okay, so they took the thing Uh, so i said okay and he said he gave me some instruction about how to get down and pull this cord and do that and so i said okay okay so i'm thinking now now you're committed right now i'm doing this thing and i thought oh always wanted to be up in a parachute i didn't like the idea of jumping out of the plane i don't have to i just got to run to the beach and so i i put this thing on and uh i'm standing there and and here it goes. Foom, foom, foom. The, the, the boat's going. I'm thinking, this is it. This is commitment time. Boom, 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 boom. And it taunts, and I'm running, i run, and i ran, and I ran. And right about the time that my feet were supposed to hit the water, they didn't hit the water. I walked on water like Jesus. <laughs> it was great. And I took off, and I, I parasailed all around Acapulco Bay. It was so cool. You say, why are you telling this? I wouldn't even plan on saying any of this today. (laughs) I got to tell you, God has taken care of a poor, dumb kid. A poor, dumb kid who realizes he's a poor, dumb kid. A kid that should be, by all rights, a drug addict, living a miserable life, having been married and divorced, and have... My life totally messed up because uh, because that's where I was headed. But somebody taught me to seek first the kingdom of God. I didn't seek r- going to on a, riding on a parachute. I didn't seek. I've I've gone snorkeling by the way. I I didn't seek that. I didn't seek. I, I, I this year I went I went swimming with dolphins in Hawaii. I got to swim with Flipper. Uh, I, uh, things I always thought would be a fun thing to do. God just let me do that. You know why? Because he likes me. Hey, um, cherish. Come over here. This is cherish. Cherish comes into my office every week. Last, about, oh, probably about six months ago. Well, maybe more than that, because time flies when you're old. Which I would know nothing about. But, uh... She came in, she's my granddaughter. She looks just like her grandmother when she was this age. Beautiful. Cherish, uh, Cherish comes into my office, Cherish can ask me for anything. And all she does to do is kiss me on the cheek and she gets anything in my office anytime she wants it. You know why? You know why? Because I like her. Because she does right. I said to her one time, I I said, Cherish, have you been obedient? She said yeah. I said, You've obeyed your mother all week long. She said yes, and then she stopped and said, wait a minute, how long's a week? <laughs> okay, go go sit, sit back down. She, I like her. Not because she's perfect, because she's my granddaughter. Because she's mine. I love her. I love her brother, her brother Lincoln. My, (laughs) her brother Lincoln is like the little fireball in our house. We've got several of them, but her brother Lincoln came up to me one day. He said, Grandpa, I have a question. I said, what's that? And he came up, I said, come here. I said, what's that? He said, why are you so fat? (laughs) I said to him, come here, come here stand right here. I said, what did you say? He said, I said, why are you so fat? His mom and dad are over here on the couch. And they said, you're going to get a spanking for that. I said, no, wait, wait, wait. No, they didn't say spanking. They meant time out. They said time out. That's code word for you're going to get it. And so I said, you're going to get a time out. I said, no, 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 wait. I said, you come here. I said, I want to teach you something. I said, you know what's going to happen to you when you get older? What? I said, you're going to get fat. You're going to get so fat. And I said, somebody's going to come. He said, I said, somebody's going to come up to you, and they're going to say to you, hey, fatso, that's what they're going to call you. They're going to call you fatso. I said, you know why? The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. (laughs) And I said, so somebody's going to come up and call you fatso. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, grandpa. I said, what? He said, who did you call fat? but I like him anyway. (laughs) And the reason I like him is because he's my grandson. I just like him. I like him. So, having said all that, I want you to know this, that God wants you to succeed. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Lincoln is an answer to my prayer. Cherish is an answer to my prayer. I always wanted to, because I did not have a family growing up, I always wanted to have a good family. I always wanted to have children and grandchildren. I wanted that. I wanted to have what I have. There were things I wanted to do, and God's allowed me to do those things. But things I wanted to have, and God's allowed me to have those things. But it's because I sought first the kingdom. I want you to understand this. And and by the way, I say that with, with understanding this. I am totally, incompl- I, I, I I put myself on the ground every morning and I tell the Lord I recognize I deserve nothing but hell. We need to understand that. I, I, I'm just telling you, God likes you, God wants you to succeed. Joshua 1.8 says this, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then shalt thou have good success. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to have good success. In the midst of this wicked world, in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of the problems that we go through, God wants you to succeed. Psalm 1 says, says blessed is the man that walketh not happy. Happy. God wants you to be Happy. Is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Listen, when you plant a tree, you want it to grow. You want it to grow. You plant it and you water it and you take care of it. You want it to grow. God's planted you. And I don't know where he's planted you. He planted me in Las Vegas. I would rather have been planted in a nice green place. But he planted me in the desert in Las Vegas. But the Bible says that if you, if, if, if you walk not in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. Whatever you do will prosper. What an amazing thing. Jesus said, look, obey me. Obey my word. He said in, in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended. He doesn't say there won't be rain. And the floods came. He didn't say there wouldn't be floods. And the winds blew. He didn't say there wouldn't be winds. But he says this. That, and it beat on that house. Didn't say the house wouldn't be beat up. But it said, he, he said, God, he's a pretty good authority. Jesus is a good authority. He said it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Can I tell you this? God wants you to succeed. God wants you to become his representative and represent him in everything that you do and say. He likes you. He wants what's best for you. And yes, you're going through trials. You're going through midterms. God bless you. Yes, you're going to go through tough times. Yes, you're going to go through times where people, where you're thinking, what, what, do, I, what do I do here? And how is this going to ever happen? And what, how am I ever going to get out of this situation? But I want you to understand, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. My, my life, my family, and I'm... I, I'm so glad my mom and my dad got saved before I was born. So their whole life was all messed up before. They got saved, and I got to, even though it was just until I was 10 years old, I got to be raised by a father who loved Jesus. I got to watch him pray every single day. I got to learn some things from him. What I'm saying is this today, God loves you God even likes you, and God wants you to succeed and become and become all that, that he's put in your heart to become. When you delight yourself in him, the desires you have in your heart will be desires that are given from you that he wants you to see fulfilled in your life. He wants you to be successful. But I want you to understand on the flip side of that, there is a demon that hates you that's assigned to you. Satan is limited. But there are demons, maybe two demons, I don't know, but they hate you. They hate you because you were created in the image and likeness of God, and when you got saved, you were recreated, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. You became a new creature. You became the creature God intended Adam and Eve to be. The Spirit of God came to move inside of you, and He lives in you. And Jesus said this in John uh, 13, 14, 15, and 16. He said it over and over again. When He comes, I'm going to come with Him. So Jesus lives in you. God, the Father lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You've got the power of God resting in you. And Satan hates your guts because he you were created in the image and likeness of God. And that's what he wanted. He said, I want to be like the Most High God. And God said, that's not your position. You'll be cast down to hell. So he hates you. And though he can't be with you, he sends demons. There are spirits, evil spirits, that are out to destroy you. And they don't want you to succeed because... and it's Listen, it's really not all about you. It's all about their hatred of God. They don't want God's plan to succeed. And God's plan is God's glory in you. And other people seeing Jesus Christ in you. There's want that, So... He throws temptation your way. He throws temptation your way in several different fashions. He places things in your life that God hates, that He knows knows will destroy your ability to represent Him. Let me, I told you to turn to Proverbs. We're going to get there right now. I want you to look at this. Proverbs chapter 27. Here's the, the, the thing... The number one thing that I have seen in 41 years of ministry that I have seen that destroys young people, it's immorality. The Bible says this in, in Proverbs chapter 6. It says, verse 27, can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? The answer, of course, is no. So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, he commits adultery. Whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Your innocence is taken away. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But, he is, but when he is found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. you steal something, you can return it seven times. But whoso committeth adultery. Now listen to these words. This is so, 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 so important. Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. He says here, look, you need to understand something. When you get involved, look at me. If, when you get involved in immorality, it destroys. It destroys, according to the authority of God's word, it destroys your soul. It destroys your mind. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, and your will. Your mind is your thinking processes. Somebody gets involved in adultery. Somebody gets involved in immorality. Somebody gets involved in pornography. Now listen to me, young people. We, when I was a kid, you had to sneak into a drugstore, go up to the magazine rack, and try and find pornography. But today, you're carrying it around in your pocket. You're carrying it around in your purse. It's right there. And you know you can access it any time. And Satan has made it available to you. Because he knows when you get involved in adultery. And by the way, let me say this. You say pornography, that's not adultery. Jesus said if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already with her in your heart. Catch this. So when you get in there and you, you, uh, you start committing mental adultery by looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at, Satan is destroying your ability to think right. Your mind. It's also your soul is your emotions. It is destroying your ability to emote right, to show emotion. I talk to couples all the time who say there's just no feelings in our relationship anymore. We used to be in love, but we're not in love anymore. That means they don't have an erotic love for one another. There's no more feeling there. Why? They got involved in immorality, and it's destroyed their emoting ability. It's destroyed their ability to feel. Adultery, pornography, pornography, fornication, immorality destroys your ability to think right, to emote right, and your will. That's your soul. It destroys your ability to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. And you wind up doing the wrong thing all the time. And you fall into the sin over and over and over again. I'm telling you, it's a damning Destructive sin that Satan tempts God's kids with all the time, and he'll not stop tempting you with it when you get married. It will be there all the time. So now's the time to get under control. Let me give you something else in in Proverbs chapter six. Going to give you a list of things God hates. These are things that God hates. He says, he, these six things does God hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, when we get too proud to hear uh, from our teachers and our leaders. A lying tongue, somebody that doesn't speak the truth. You say one thing to one person, something to something else, somebody else. Hands that shed innocent blood, those who tear others apart. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. You're thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. You're going out and getting in trouble. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Man, God hates them. Why does God hate these things? Because they destroy your effectiveness. They, They destroy your ability to be what God wants you to be so that you can't show the glory of God to the world, and you miss out then on all the blessings of God that he has for you because you're seeking him first. It's a horrible thing. So the question is this. Preacher, I, I can't, I don't, I, so, so, so I got these things that I'm dealing with. I, I have the proud heart. I, I, have a, I, I have a problem with lying. I have a problem with, with, with sowing discord. I have a problem with gossiping. I have a problem with immorality. I know what you're talking about when you pick out your phone and say that's filled with pornography. I know that. How do I overcome that? That's what I want to tell you in the next few minutes. I want you to write these things down. And I'm going to give you Bible I'm going to give you eight Bible things that you can do to conquer sin. Whether it's pornography, and I'm telling you, I know that that is the sin that is besetting you all the time. Satan has made it absolutely available to you all the time because he knows what your flesh desires. When you were were 13 years old, Or around that age, you naturally began, God placed within you a desire for the opposite sex. There's nothing wrong with that desire. A guy said, (coughs) said, uh, said, Pray that I won't have the desire. No, that's not right. You want to have the desire. What you want to do is learn how to control your vessel. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians, and I don't have time to get into that today, but in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says God wants us to learn how to possess our vessels. Why? Because as a young man, as a young woman, a single, if you learn how to possess your vessels while you're young, that is control it, when you're married and you're 35 years old and some flirt comes up and starts flirting with you, you're not going to do the wrong thing because you learned as a young person how to control your vessel. When you're 40 years old and you've been married and you've got three kids and you're, and, and, and you're tempted to look at pornography, you're going to say no because you'll learn how to control your vessel. And God wants you to learn, to learn that control. Now, how do I control my vessel? How do, I, how do I conquer sin? I'm going to give you several things. Number one. Number one, realize the consequences of it. The reason I read to you this passage that I read to you about immorality is this. I want you to understand there are consequences for sin. If you want to conquer sin in your life, you've got to get serious about it and understand. Look, you know that the Bible talks about everything the world talks about. God talks about homosexuality. God talks about bestiality. God talks about adultery. God talks about polygamy. God talks about all those things. The difference between God speaking about it and Playboy magazine talking about it is that Playboy makes it look lovely, and God shows you the consequences. Say amen to that. When you're in the Bible, God shows you the consequences. I almost got myself in trouble. I was doing some research because I was going to preach against the Playboy philosophy of this world. You know, you can go on Google and you can search anything. So I thought, I thought, I'm sitting in my office. And I'm thinking, oh, when was it that Hugh Hefner started the Playboy thing? Let me check that out on Google. And I started putting in Playboy. I thought, what an idiot I am. <laughs> can you imagine what would have popped up? I went and told my wife. I said, honey, I almost did something stupid. She said, you almost did. I want you to understand this. Satan uses, uh, we use anything to destroy you. He will use immorality to destroy your effectiveness and you receiving the blessings of God. So you need to realize the consequences. Think about the consequences. Look, here's the deal. You, you watch a, you, they don't have TV commercials, but you, you hear people or you see any kinds of ads about cigarette smoking. And it's always just a, you know, pleasant thing. But, they don't tell you the consequences. Somebody said smoking won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. They don't tell you the consequences. A person drinking and having a good time with his friends and even Christians today, it's so sad. It's so sad. Christians talk about drinking. Oh, you know, the, the Bible, does the Bible say? And there's all this debate, even in fundamental churches, about whether or not it's all right to drink. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? Once you've gone into a, to a, to a hospital bed and you've seen a baby beat to death by a guy that was a really nice guy until he drank, you'll understand that it's not good. And the Bible does still say something like, about um, it being a mocker and being raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. There's a lot said in the, in the negative about wine. I don't even have to be a great Bible scholar or a historian to understand that 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 i have options maybe even that the people in bible times didn't have so i can drink welch's grape juice because dr welch created grape juice and i don't have to worry about it fermenting what i'm saying is this the devil always talks about the pleasure of sin but he never tells you about the consequences think about the consequences of sin number one realize the the consequences of sin number two Confess your sin. As long as you're saying, "Well, I don't think there's anything really that bad." Well, I, I wasn't. I was just looking. I wasn't. I wasn't touching. I. I that, this really wasn't the same. And even some of you sitting here today, right now, the devil is saying, "That's that's talking about physical adultery, and that's not talking about the same." That stuff. There's all sorts of lies that the devil will tell you. I'm just telling you. Why don't you just confess it as sin? God, this is wrong. It is wrong. Can i tell you that the bible says this in first timothy that in the, in the last days there will be seducing spirits there's actually demonic seducing spirits that lie to you and say something that is wrong is right the bible says if we say that we have no sin if we deny that something is sin then we deceive ourselves and the, and the bible says goes on in verse 10 of of first john chapter 1 and says that uh, the we're making him a liar Don't do that. Confess it. Realize the consequences of it. Number two, confess it. Number three, be willing to forsake it. Proverbs chapter 28 says, He that covereth his sin will not prosper. You understand? Prosper. If I love the Lord, if I do God's word, if I meditate on his word, I will prosper. If I cover my sin... Then I have to deny the word of God, I have to deny those things, and I will not prosper. God wants you to prosper. So don't cover it and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with this, or I'm, I'm hiding it, and nobody else knows about it, and I've got it all covered up. He that covers the sin will not prosper, but he that confesseth, now listen, there's a the second word, and forsaketh it, shall have mercy. God, I'm willing to forsake this thing. You see, I I come, God, I recognize this this thing's going to have horrible effect on me now and on my family and for me the rest of my life if I don't get this right. I can't tell you, young people, how many preacher friends of mine are totally out of the ministry. They've lost their families. I can't tell you how many preacher's kids are totally messed up because some preacher didn't get this under control. Number one. Look at the consequences. Number two, confess it. Then say, I'm willing to forsake it. You say, but I don't have the ability to forsake it. Look, that's what you say to God. God, I need your mercy. I need you. I'm willing to forsake this thing. I'm willing to give it up. I need your strength to do that. Realize the consequences. Confess it. Forsake it. Number three, now listen to this. Very, very important. Replace it. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, be not drunk with wine. Don't get drunk, but that's not all he says. He doesn't say, just don't get drunk, just don't get drunk. No, he says replace it. Be filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4.8 says this. Let me read this to you. Philippians 4.8 says this, and I love this. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or any praise, think on these things. You need a paradigm shift. You need to change what you think about I like hot fudge sundays. I like hot fudge sundays. I'm doing fine till I'm driving down the interstate and a Dairy Queen commercial comes on a billboard. You know hot fudge sundays are amazing. Hot fudge sundays with caramel drool drips in them are, are oh, like that's of god I think. I'm uh <laughs> I like hot fudge Sundays, But as long as I don't think about them, I'm okay. And if I think about something else, I can get my mind off of the hot. Look, you need not just to stop thinking about bad things. You need to fill your mind with that which is right, that which is pure. When, when the devil comes and places something before you, puts a thought in your mind, brings those pornographic pictures that you looked at a week ago when you made a commitment not to do that anymore, when those those pictures come into your mind, and that's what Satan does with pornography. He puts that picture in your mind, he brings it back and brings it back and brings it back. What you need to do is say, Lord, Lord, it's so good. The Bible is so good. James says this. It says, submit yourself to God. It's as though Satan is here and God is here. And you're facing this this test. You're, You're facing this temptation. What do you do? Here's the key. I submit myself to God. God, I want you. I want to think on something pure and right and holy. I submit myself to God. When I do that, It's as though the the very act of submitting myself to God is resisting the devil. Resisting the devil is not saying, "Okay, let's." I'm just. That's not it. The idea is, as I submit myself to God, that very action of submitting myself to God is resisting the devil. And when I when I do that, you see, I'm standing between God and the devil. As I submit myself to God, I get out of the way, and God can punch the devil in the face which you can't do. So what I do is I, 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 I replace my, the, the bad thoughts. You have to do that. Whether you're in class, and you know the devil can put anything in your mind at any time. Lord, I want to think about you. Take the picture of Calvary. Put it in your mind. And say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed for me. Thank you for loving me. Hear God say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Look at the love of Jesus Christ as he looks at the thief and says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Think about the ones you really love. Think about good things that God's placed in your mind. You have to replace. You can't just confess it. You can't just forsake it. You can't just think about the consequences of it. You have to replace it. Positive replacement from the word of God. And then account for it. Account for it. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Then James chapter 5, the Bible says, if we confess our faults, not our sins, this is not talking about priestly things, if I confess my faults, we confess our faults one to another, and pray for one another, we'll be healed. There's some young man in here, you have a problem with pornography, you ought to find somebody you trust, somebody you can really trust, you might be a, a, a staff member. I've had college students over the years say to me, Pastor, I have a problem with this. Would you pray for me, and can I be accountable to you? And I've said, okay, I'll call you on a weekly basis, and I'll ask you, how's it going? And that'll be key for you to say, tell me the truth, or tell me a lie. You've got to tell me the truth. It's doing, I'm doing okay, or I blew it. Well, what caused you to blow it? Let's talk about that. Let's get that thing right. You need accountability. An accountability partner is a wonderful thing. You can you can go to the staff here. Say, I'm really struggling with this. It's something I struggled with since I was a kid. You can look, the truth of the matter is our our culture is a pornography filled culture. Get it under control before you graduate. Because I don't want to hear about a preacher running off anymore. account for it number five guard yourself from it proverbs chapter four you have to write these down because i don't have time to give them to you proverbs chapter four verses 23 through 26 says this keep your heart with all diligence the idea is guard what you think about with with hard work work at guarding what you think about and then he goes on and he says guard what you're listening to put the forward mouth away from you don't listen. Somebody's coming up to you and starting telling you some dirty joke. Somebody's going to tell, tell you something. You put that away from you. You're listening to some music on your earphones that nobody knows that you're listening to because you've got your earphones in, and they start talking about garbage. Then you, t- you turn that stuff off. Guard what you, you're listening to. And then he says, guard what you see. Guard what you're looking at. Guard it. I love this story. Matthew Young, when he was, who's a student here. Matthew, where are you? Yeah, there's the guy. Matthew Young comes to Las Vegas, Nevada. He's, his dad has taught him right that when there is something vile, some wicked thing in front of you, you guard your eyes. You look the other way. I have in Las Vegas what I call sin visors. Instead of sun visors, we put down our sin visors so when I'm not going to look at garbage. And I do that all the time. When I drive down the strip, put down my sin visor because I don't want to look at things. I do it in an obvious fashion, because I'm not going to look at things, I'm going to deliberately not look at something. Matthew was eight years old, he came into uh, town, his dad was sitting in the front seat, his, my, my son was sitting, my, my son Matthew was driving, and Matthew looked, looked, was looking at the billboards as he was coming out of the Las Vegas airport, and he said, he said, uh, whoa, dad. He looked the other way. He looked the other way. There was another one over here. He said, Dad. He, he, he looked the other way. He said, Dad, they are bad women on those, on those posters. And then uh, his dad said, well, that's why the Tices are here in Las Vegas. We're trying to help women uh, get right with God, and they'll dress right, and they'll be right. And we're trying to help. They drove a little farther, and there was more billboards and more billboards. He whispered over to his dad, and he said, the Tices aren't doing a very good job. <laughs> Uh, guard yourself from it. You guard yourself. Guard what you're listening to, guard what you're watching and guard where you're going. It says put, make your, street, your feet go straight forward. Guard where you go. If you've gone someplace and there's temptation there, then stay away from that place. If it's your sweetmate's room, then and, and that's and junk's going on there, stay out of that place. I'm telling you, you can conquer sin if you realize the consequences of it, if you'll confess it, if you'll forsake it, if you'll replace it, if you'll account for it, if you'll guard yourself from it. And then I'm gonna give you a couple of more things. Claim victory over it. Jesus said, very simply, he said, In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That Jesus Christ who lives inside you, who conquered death, can conquer sin in your life. And then, and then learn to walk over it. Galatians chapter five says this, to walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It means every day you have to say, Father, I need you to control me today. You know the sin that I battle with. You know the sin that easily besets me. I, I'm, I'm confessing that to you and I'm asking you to control me today. Look, God can use you in a powerful way God wants to, he likes you, he likes you. He wants to use you, he wants you to have good success. But you need to do what he tells you to do. And you can have, I'm telling you, God has allowed me to do so many things, not because I've been perfect, but I've tri- I really tried to apply these things. I realize the consequences of sin, I've confessed it, I've forsaken it, I've, re- I, I've, I've replaced it with good thoughts, account for it. Guard yourself, claim, it, claim victory over it, and then learn to walk over it by surrendering to the Spirit every single day. You can have victory over sin. You can. Now, I wanna say something that I was supposed to say at the beginning of this. We'll have an invitation in just a minute. This summer, we are having at our church what we call our Summer Missionary Program. It's our opportunity to have young men come to our church, you get a twelve hundred dollars scholarship. You get to come back here. You get a couple of credits for it here at school. So you're actually getting paid to get to get college credits to come back to go. It's a, a direct scholarship back to your school. It's not a whole lot. It's twelve hundred dollars, but you're gonna you'll have an opportunity to be involved in a great great mission field. You're gonna find out what missions work is all about. You're gonna find out what uh, uh, leading people to Christ is all about. You're gonna see. Um, You're gonna see, you're gonna be involved in every type of ministry aspect you can be involved in. And we're gonna be in the Rebels building this afternoon. We're gonna be in the Rebels building. If you'd like, in fact, right after here, we're going right over there. We'd love to have, uh, it's only four guys. Every every year I say this, we have girls that come up. We have so many people sign up, we can't take everybody. But if you're interested in working in a great mission field in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, uh, over the summer, you can come and see me. Pastor Neil, would you stand up? This is Pastor Neil Berkey. He's the one that that's, that works specifically with our summer missionaries. If you, are, uh, there are summer missionaries here today uh, that that have worked the program. It is a life-changing, life-changing uh, ministry for you, and and you'll and throughout the time you'll see lives changed. We we saw. We 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 knocked on like eighty four thousand doors this summer. We saw hundreds of people trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, it's been amazingly transforming. We work with the city of Las Vegas. We work. There's some amazing things that you'll be able to be involved in. I want to encourage you to do that. I was supposed to say that, but I got right into the message and told you all this. Silly stories, but, uh, so, but I want you to understand you can be part of that. You can be part of what's going on. You can see the power of God moving. It's a great, great opportunity. Now, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, and I know I've, t- I've taken more time than I ever have in, in, a, in this chapel service. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Maybe God's dealt with your heart. Maybe there's some things you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm laying this on the altar for you. Ask God to work in your life. Look, just take time. Look at the consequences. Confess it. Forsake it. Replace it. Ask God to work in your life. Be willing to account to somebody for it. Let God work in your life. During this time, the invitation, would you come?